0: Ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to listen to is an experiment in sound.
1: And there will be entertainment. The big
0: duke With me in one corner and in the other corner,
2: the man who was brought real terror to Gotham City. Flux pavilion. Flex pavilion. Flex pavilion. Flex pavilion. Plex pavilion. Plex pavilion.
1: my name is David Ross. I'm Daniel Bloom. I'm Flux Pavilion. Yes.
2: Flux Pavilion is a concept. It's a hypothetical idea of a greater consciousness, which is the energy that I draw from to create the music that I create.
3: Today, Madcap brings you one of bass music's most captivating personalities, a project two years in the making Flux Pavilion, the Inner Sanctum. 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 We're calling this the inner sanctum for two reasons: one, because Joshua Steele got deep with us regarding his personal background and sense of self, but also because of the truly intimate location where we conducted this interview.
1: Where are we, David? So we are—we are trying to do it right for sound purposes. It's very loud in the green room, so we're doing this in the bathroom. We're doing sound right? We're doing sound right.
2: Yeah, oh, I think it sounds pretty good in there. Exactly. Listen, like s- nice dead. <laughs> At least put the seat down. <laughs> I'll well, be working on the album, okay. so the real kind of extreme, like album, such a big project, rather so than just like working on a couple of tracks. I've lit, I've got probably about 20 tracks going in a minute. Oh really? So it's such an extreme kind of process that PlayStation's become a big part of the. The, the opposite of that. <laughs> so the world there, I kind of like. My girlfriend's really into meditation, but I find that t- that too extreme. So for me, it's like, yeah, playing PlayStation is my sort of more calming, calming kind of energy vibe. In terms of vibe, what I'm trying to do is rather than capture Josh like, which is why the focus that when I'm writing music I'm normally like, what do I want to write? I'm really trying to sort of distill the idea of what Flux Pavilion is, and what makes Flux Pavilion good, which is the energy, more than anything else really. So rather than kind of thinking about uh, what's it going to sound like, what kind of genres do I do, I've decided to focus on one thing and that's how the tracks feel. If they feel good, if you get goosebumps or it makes you want to dance, that like the focus on that energy that I can't stop and bass cannon and cracks all those tracks had I'm focusing on that rather than being like oh yeah I wanna sing or I wanna do this which is stuff I'm really interested in as a writer but I just don't think that's what Flux Pavilion is and before I take Flux Pavilion in a different direction I need to really distill and like you know solidify everything that Flux Pavilion is up until this point
3: So are you suggesting that there will not be a replay of your uh, melodious tones on the next album as there have been on the last few projects?
2: Um, I don't think so. There's a couple that my singing might suit but I'm leaving it quite open. I'm trying to yeah take a back seat from the singer-songwriter kind of view and actually yeah view the project from a yeah, dance music perspective like big electronic music.
3: For the record I do enjoy your singing. Freeway I thought was a
2: particularly nice piece oh, of work. Thank you.
3: Looking
0: on a dream I never had Pictures of a world I've never seen Pieces of a life forever
2: Imagine a whole record of that that doesn't have to drop or doesn't have to progress into like energetic electronic music, imagine what Freeway sounded like before I turned it into a Flux Pavilion track. I've got all of those records Ooh. that are there, they're sitting there, and rather than trying to put the energy in, what the album's all about is where the initial ideas have the energy then I build on that, so there's a whole heap of stuff kind of that's going to be left over that could be something else.
0: That will ever be pieces of a love.
2: What's the longest amount of hours that you can work consecutively on music? I have done like sort of 15 hour sessions and stuff. It's kind of, which isn't super long. I could probably go longer if I get enough drink. <laughs> but generally two hours, two or three hours is actually how I prefer to write. Do a couple of hours until I don't have any ideas because there's always the next thing. You're like, oh yeah, hi-hats. Oh yeah, I need to do that thing there. Oh yeah, cool, let me just change this a little bit. As soon as those ideas stop, that's when I just go away and do something else. Until I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh yeah, shit, I could do that now, and then go back in. And that's being way more productive than just sitting there, sweating, trying to finish a track, just because it needs to be finished. Just letting it happen. Do
1: you carry like a notepad or something, come to that realization where you're doing something else, you're like, oh yeah, hi-hat. You yeah. Write it down, hi-hat, June
2: 9th. <laughs> uh, most of the time I hum it into my phone or got all the voice memos. and, But also notes as well. So most lyrics and hooks and stuff like that are just stuff that I hum into a phone or just come up with one-liners and just be like, that could be a cool thing at some point.
3: At the tone, please record your voice message. When you are finished recording, you may hang up or press pound for more options.
1: So just a, a guesstimation, how many hum tones do you have in your phone?
2: <laughs> um, I've got a new phone, uh, <laughs> so I've only got about eight in there. I've only had it a couple of weeks. Okay. But yeah, normally and a lot of piano pieces as well. So I sit and write the piano, so I press record because I will forget everything pretty much. I can sit there, write something in half an hour and then I'll just forget it straight away. So I record it and then keep listening back to them over and over again until I can mix and match ideas and make me go in the studio. It's pretty much how it works most of the time. Do you often write on the piano? I've only just bought a piano a few years ago. So in the past few years, then yeah. But it's more of just like pissing about with, it's a different way to realize chord sequences pretty much. Not like playing guitar is one thing, where your hand goes one way. But most of the time I generally write in the MIDI roll, like Mm -hmm. just all completely electronic. I find that's actually, way more creative than physically playing an instrument. And thus you're not restrained by the physical limitations of traditional instruments. Of the length of your hand, pretty much. <laughs> what a bummer. That's what gets me on piano, yeah.
1: I want to know, what type of piano did you buy, and what, and what is it about the piano that
2: you like? Um, I got an upright piano, you know, like the ones you get at school? Yeah. Like a classic school piano. And I just always wanted one, you know, when you walk into an apartment. Or, like, you see on TV, like, the big Vegas hotel rooms that have a piano. Yeah. It always makes a space feel cooler. And because, obviously, I'm a musician as well. So I kind of thought, yeah, I should have one of those at some point. So I bought one.
1: What's one of your favorite, I guess, tunes to play, like, a childhood tune that you like playing on the piano?
2: Well, actually, I started off my um, creative musical life playing Beethoven's Ninth. I think it's Beethoven's Ninth, Ode to Joy. Mm -hmm. I learned how to play that on a little piano and then my nan bought me a guitar, learned how to play it on a guitar, learned how to play it on a violin, learned how to play it on a trumpet. And this is all, and then I was about 11, 12 at this point. Just that, all I would do is I would play theme tunes that I'd hear on TV or play O to Joy over and over again really badly for months until I could finally do it. And that was how I got into music. Then I started writing stuff.
1: Do you still mess with the violin at all?
2: Um, no, I gave away my violin, cause I, um... Who got it? Who'd <laughs> you... Just, just a friend. I snapped the bow. I was, like, being real vigorous with it, and the... <laughs> yeah. huh. And the wood snaps, and I was like, well, that's fucked now. Like, you can't, you can replace the strings, but you can't replace the wood. And I was never good, I've never really been good at any instrument, but I could I could impress you, I could pick up a saxophone and you'd be like, wow, he can play a saxophone. But I'm like, no, I can play that one thing that I just played. Okay. I can play it really well. And you were like, wow, he's really good. But no, I can work out a line in my head, pick up an instrument and give me 20 minutes, I'll work out how to play it. But I can't actually, I'm not like great at an instrument, but if I wanted to play some kind of like the cracks line and you gave me a flute, uh-huh. yeah, give me 15 minutes and I could work it out. But, and then I could, but I could only play that one thing okay. until I'd want to work someone else out. That's generally how I learn how to play stuff. Now we have to get somebody to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like I was like, give me longer than 15 minutes do, on a flute. Do, 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 do. you you got to get the embouchure right on a flute. I always struggle <laughs> with ah. a flute. But it's kind of... Saxophone's a bit better. Not, the reed instruments are easier.
3: This is Madcap, and you're listening to our interview with Flux Pavilion, titled The Inner Sanctum, recorded backstage at the Mad Decent Block Party at Meriwether Post Pavilion in the bathroom.
0: And the begin to show
1: What song kind of reminds you of home?
2: Um, home. Home is many things to me now. I mean, I <clears throat> had a family home and I got evicted from that as a kid. And then every like eight months, me and my mum were constantly moving houses. Then I went to study, so I moved away. Kept moving with that. Now I live on the road and stuff. So kind of home hasn't really been a thing since I was like sort of 15, 16.
0: And the cracks begin to show.
1: Did mom listen to any music?
2: I mean, what type of music did mom listen to? Well, yeah, I was brought up on, like, Beatles.
0: One a away To get back homeward
2: I think Abbey Road is probably my favourite, though. Really? Out a moment, yeah. There's something about that.
0: One a away To get back home Sleep, pretty darling Do not cry and I will sing a lullaby
2: Golden What's your favourite song in on that one? Um, the one, I never know what it's called. I think it's called Golden Slumbers. It starts with, you never
0: give. <laughs> you when you rise. <laughs>
2: I will sing on Lonabai. It's a good album, I think, yeah, safe to say. You ever seen McCartney perform? Um, No, I haven't actually. I would like to at some point. One of my partners in the label Circus is Earl Falconer from UB40. He's the bass player. So he's like friends with McCartney because obviously from that era they all did like Live 8 together and stuff like that. So yeah, I've got an in there. I just haven't worked out when to use the McCartney card. You only get you only get to use it once. I'm waiting for the right time. We all dream of it. Your favorite part of your job? Um, writing music. Writing music. Yeah. So it can be done in solitary. Um, yeah, I I like being creative and kind of. I was just watching. I don't know if you're familiar with Yodorovsky, um, the guy who he did it. He's done loads of stuff. Some like avant-garde cinema, and yeah, there's a documentary just come out about him. It's him and this guy called Mobius and H.R. Geiger. And yeah, a whole bunch of guys who wrote a screenplay for June, mm-hmm. and then it ended up getting canned because it was too forward-thinking. Essentially, Hollywood were I like. I did hear about this. This happened ages ago. There's, like, there's a film. Is it called, like, Khodorovsky's Dune? Yeah, it okay. looks, it's just come out now. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> 3,000 drawings. I shoot the picture, point of view, movement of the camera, dialogue.
3: His vision was so huge, so beyond what anybody else was doing at that time. Things that George Lucas wasn't even going to try. with Star Wars, it's enormous.
2: Part of Hala's genius was finding the right people. Alejandro completely motivated you.
0: It was wonderful. We will change the world.
2: This is clearly inspiring you. Yeah, his mentality of like goes with like Dali and Andy Warhol and Bowie, and does that kind of poetic, creative nature like creating things, having an idea. I mean, like this is my idea, and I'm going to make something out of nothing.
1: So I'm gonna make a right turn. I don't wanna talk about comic books. I'm gonna yeah. talk about top comic books. So the only comic book I really ever read was like
2: Archie. Right. Okay. Yeah. So 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 what I is? I never so read cool? any Archie.
3: Incredible look on Flux's face. Yeah yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: What are some comic book characters that you really enjoy? I obviously well like Batman, because he's fucking awesome. To the Batmobile. Let's go. It's not so much Batman as a character I like, it's the Batman comics because of the way that Gotham's portrayed and with Joker and stuff. And the way that, it's a weird thing with comics, sometimes the supervillain makes more sense than the hero. Like, it's what you get with Joker sometimes, where he's like... See, their morals, their code, it's a bad joke. Dropped at the first sign
3: of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster, I'm just ahead of the curve.
2: It was in a Marvel comic, Thanos, he's this big evil guy. He's like, right, I'm going to kill half the universe. And Silver Surfer's like, well, you can't do that. He's like, well, look at it. All these planets are dying because there's too many creatures and we need to preserve the universe. So I'm going to kill half the life forms on it so that the universe can survive again. And Silver Surfer's like, no, I'm going to stop you. And I'm there just like, well, he's kind of got a point, maybe. And I'm like. <laughs> I mean, he's an, evil, he's an evil bastard, so don't let him do that, but at least compromise, maybe. i be like, you know what, we're gonna set up some universe nature reserves here, like Silver Surfer, you can do that, maybe Thanos, you can look after this bit, like, don't kill anyone, but at least hear him out. I get that with a lot of supervillains. That's why I like Batman, because Joker has a way, especially people like Grant Morrison as a writer, he's got a way of writing Joker where you you can understand him but also have no idea what the hell's going on as well. The books are more about getting into Joker's head than working out what Batman's doing, which is cool.
3: That's a fascinating idea, the importance and the power of the hero being bound up in the
2: importance and power of the villain. Well, that's what the Batman-Joker relationship is all about. They are two sides of a coin.
0: Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.
2: And that's well, the way Joker sees himself, he's like, yeah, without without me, there would be no Batman. So I have to be here, I'm a necessary evil.
0: You can hold on if you want to But you know I'm gonna let you go Ain't nobody there to talk to Nobody's at home in this my my If only you could see the bright side Of waking up and being alone If only you could see the future is all yours now Cause I know I'll be
3: do you have an alter ego or an arch nemesis real or created um well is there a joker to your batman or perhaps a batman to your joker nah i think maybe dr
2: p is a nemesis of mine. <laughs> We're always in direct competition. When I make a big tune, he tries to make a bigger one. And then when he makes a bigger one, I try to make a bigger one. But that's more friendly.
0: <laughs> it's
2: more of a Batman-Robin style vibe, I think, rather than Batman-Joker. What about Josh versus Flux? How, how's that, how's that relationship? Well, that would be an alter ego, essentially. Which is what I was saying about writing the album, about making a separation between who Josh is and who Flux is, and where those schools of thought come in, and what I really want to achieve as Flux, and what I want to achieve as Josh, and being able to separate the two, I think is an important
3: thing. Now we're getting somewhere. So Flux Pavilion is your superhero. So what can he do that you can't do? Well,
2: this is the thing, you seeing I've got the logo and my the way I dress, mm-hmm. and I kind of, I don't have it now, but I've got this big belt buckle which is uh, yeah, my Flux Virginia logo in a like a, in the a Superman. It's kind of diamond and stuff. Who blinged it out?
3: That Jacob the Jeweler did that for you?
2: <laughs> nah, oh, it was uh, some bespoke silversmith. <laughs> <laughs> I hit him up and I was like, can you do this for me? He was like, yeah, cool. Should've gotten it done at Colonial Williams. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. Hammer it out. I am without you now.
2: The idea behind Flux Pavilion in the early days was that I'm not Flux Pavilion, that I am the spokesperson for Flux Pavilion, I'm the face of Flux Pavilion, but what Flux Pavilion is, is, who knows, it could be an alien race, or a cult, or anything really, sort of like, basically an idea of a collective, I suppose, or a hive mind, whereas I am the spokesperson for that, and whereas for what Flux Pavilion is, is the conduit of taking energy from what isn't real, which is music, which is audio, and turning it into a physical thing, which is what the crowd are doing. And that's what I am. That was the original concept, Uh, but then I signed to a a major label and they didn't quite understand. (laughs) (laughs) And it kind of, it took a back seat at that point. But yeah, these are all things is yeah, I'm still young. I've got time to do all this kind of stuff.
1: My last question is, what's a place uh, that you hadn't been to within the past year that you went to that really inspired you You didn't think it would?
2: <clears throat> I've been all over the place recently. But you've created music in many different environments. I went to India in okay. January. I played a few shows there. Okay. that was pretty crazy. Where? I played in New Delhi and Mumbai, or Bombay. I don't know which one is the correct term. Mumbai is now. Mumbai present. is the yeah. current. Yes. Yeah. But I ate some bad chicken in New Delhi.
1: <laughs> oh no! I was about to be like, how was the
2: food? And then was throwing up in. Well, pretty much, I had to get a. Uh, it's, uh, like an Indian, like doctor, pharmacist to come into my hotel room and yeah, give me all these drugs because I couldn't move. And then they managed to get me out of bed to carry me down and put me on stage, like, because the club was like next door. And I was there just kneeling, I had a stall in front of me, kneeling all my weight on the stall with a bucket and then loads of water. I managed to play for an hour, I had a 90-minute set, but I managed to get an hour done until I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And literally, holding in the vomit. (laughs) It was pretty hardcore. But I had just, it was, Especially annoying because I'd just done, there was like a an eight-week tour that I was doing. Yeah, I doing an eight-week tour and I broke my arm two and a half weeks in. Oh my so God. So I had to do like 20 shows of a broken arm. I was from from leaving the hospital, I was on stage in 15 hours, like, I'm um, in a cast. Where did you break the arm? Um, top. No, but where in, top <laughs> where in the world? Oh, on the bus. I was in America, I was over in Boston. What Sorry. did you do to break your arm? What were you doing? Um... I don't know if I've actually admitted it yet. <laughs> i made up made up many stories. But yeah, I was arm-whistling. It was actually what we were doing. It was me and my ex tour manager. Okay. We, we were arm-whistling. And then my arm snapped in half.
3: Ready? Set, go. <laughs> oh, shit! That's
2: worst nightmare territory. For the, the worst thing was, um, so it snapped, right? Like, clean break in the bone. And my videographer, Tegan, I don't know if many people always come across Tegan. He's a fucking awesome guy, really good at what he does, but he was panicking. He was just like, it's just dislocated. I think he said discolated. He just kept saying it's just discolated. It's just discolated. Let's grab it and then we'll pull it back in place. Oh and I was like, I, I was like, okay, maybe that's a good idea. Didn't know it was broken at the time. In retrospect, if I'd have let him do that, him and a couple of guys, if I'd have pulled my arm hard enough to just rip the tendons, all I would have to do is rip the tendons, my arm would have come off at that point. And I think it wouldn't be that hard to rip flesh and muscle if you've got a couple of guys pulling really hard to try and put a dislocated arm back in. So yeah, my arm would have been removed from my body at that point. Holy shit. really glad i didn't listen to tegan
1: wow wow well on that note thank you
3: This is Steve Aoki's track featuring Flux Pavilion, Get Me Outta Here, the perfect song for the end of our interview held in a bathroom. But you know me, I can't stop. I know, I got one last question. bringing your music to people around the world.
2: How have they responded to you? My main goal has always been to make people dance and cry at the same time that kind of feeling of emotional euphoria maybe it's up or down and yeah at Red Rocks last year a tune, I can't remember which one it was, the tune drops I was looking at the front there was some girls She burst into tears whilst doing the turn up arms they kind of like trap rave dance I was like I've done it I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. Did you tear up too? I didn't tear up at the time no I was I was kind of mixing I can't stop. What song should we use to end this piece? Um song of yours. Of mine, yeah. I don't know what's the vibe of the piece. What are we Well you just did something awesome and uplifting with the trap arms. So behind that story. Okay, yeah. Maybe oh maybe I can't stop, because that's the kinda it could have been that track as well, that's the general vibe. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Oh, cool. can we get out of
0: here?
3: Yeah. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. I can't stop! Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. That was Flux Pavilion, the Inner Sanctum, recorded backstage at the Mad Decent Block Party at Merriweather Post Pavilion. Yes, in a bathroom. We want to thank Joshua Steele for spending time with us. Thanks to Jay and our good friend Emily for helping to arrange this interview. And thank you to the always great IMP and Meriwether Post Pavilion, especially the bathroom cleaning staff. This episode was made possible by Dr. Edmund Wu, DDS, the Trillis Dentist in the D.C. metro area. Located on Perry Avenue in Kensington, Maryland, visit MyBestDentalCare.com to schedule an appointment. I can't stop. Now for all you Madcap listeners who have not been with us from the very beginning, we're gonna take a look back at our first conversation with Flux Pavilion. This took place at the newly opened Echo Stage and also featured his partner in crime, Dr. P. Some of this material has been heard before and a lot of it never has. So last time we saw you, Dan, how long was it ago last time we did this? We last interviewed you on January 1st of 2013 at Echo Stage, Circus
2: Takeover. Okay, yeah, I remember that one. That was big.
1: No it's a good day in life when this when this is happening
3: dan bloom david ross my
2: name is dr p and you sir um yeah f pavilion I'm one senior f pavilion esq well flux is my first name but pavilion's my second name call me mr pavilion
3: Yes, the aforementioned Flux Pavilion has a new project
2: out. And what's the name of this new EP? Fly the Roof. Fly the Roof. Fly the Roof. Fly, 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 fly. Eight tracks, my new 8 tracks album coming out pretty much. That I've been working on for the past year and a half. So yeah, that's coming out. It's got me singing on it and that. Calvin Harris style. Yeah, I'm going out and doing it.
1: He decided to go for it, and he's doing it well.
3: Here's The Scientist
1: with Joshua Steele, aka Flux Pavilion, on vocals.
0: I want to be a spaceman Explore a distant land. As we contemplate the credible, unfold the master plan. And we say jump and they say how high. I wanna soar across the sky. The revolution is a resource, and we got enough. started up.
2: Countdown to the scientists. Oh, yeah.
1: talk uh, artistic process All right. now what are like some studio rituals I mean like what like when you when you really want to get something done because creating art is always very difficult
2: um, yeah like getting something done is a hard thing <laughs> like if you think right well, I need to get something done it ain't happening which is a but then sometimes you do need to and it comes a struggle like it's the hardest thing ever so there's not really something, I can't just sit down and go, right, I need to write a track now. If I do this one small thing, then I'm going to make the best track in the world. It's kind of like, it's always got to be a natural thing. But for me, smoking copious amounts of cigarettes tends to, if it doesn't like, make a good track, it at least makes me too ill so I can't carry on. I think, at least as an ending point to my misery, if I smoke too much. really, yeah. It's kind of like a perpetuating state of misery and, like, inspiration. <laughs> you never know which one you're gonna get. I'm sorry, that's very British. I love that about you guys. It is pretty British, yeah, definitely.
0: Countdown to the scientists
2: i have just done a track with childish Gambino for the new EP.
1: Bino. stay in that studio, fly it and the when I'm pushing that woofio.
3: Flux Pavilion's collaboration with Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, is called Do or Die.
1: shut. cheap, you know, and I'm working
2: on loads more kind of hip-hop-esque beats. Now's an opportunity to actually spend a, more, a lot more time writing hip-hop, which is what I started doing when I was a kid anyway.
1: Let the head out when the beat go in, I'ma wait till the beat go in. We're so sophisticated, shout out to those who waited. I spit at me, that's suicide Can't be known forever and royalty is do or die I'ma wait till the beat go in
2: beverage of preference when on stage? On stage? It changes, it tends to be white rum and Diet Coke. Sometimes white rum and coconut water, sometimes a mojito. It depends on how I'm feeling, really. See, it's kinda of like Monday to Wednesday, I've got the, the white rum and Diet Coke. Thursday, Friday, then I'll kind of hit it up with the coconut water. Saturday, Sunday, I'm on with the mojitos, it's party time. That's kind of how it works. What day is it today? (laughs) It's New Year's... Wait, it's New Year's Day.
3: Here's another exemplary track from Blow the Roof. It's called Starlight. This also features Flux Pavilion on vocals. It's Madcap's album release special, Flux Pavilion, Blow the Roof. We caught up with the whole Circus Records crew, including Flux Pavilion and Dr. P at Echo Stage in Washington, D.C. Here's Sean Brockhurst, also known as Dr. P, discussing his craft while Brown and Gammon rocks the main stage.
4: We were never part of dubstep, really. Like, dubstep was like underground London thing, and we were never part of that. We were part of the new school YouTube dubstep, which is pretty much what is happening in America. So, I don't
2: I think if anything, we played a part in like the, the changing of dubstep. But I feel like it didn't change from one style of dubstep to another side of dubstep. It just changed out of dubstep and just turned into this weird kind of sort of hybrid of loads of electronic musical styles that were going on at the time. But then it got coined as dubstep because of the tempo. So, I, yeah. I feel like we were never part of dubstep and then even when we became a part of something that shouldn't have been called dubstep, it should have, it just is what it is, electronic music.
4: Dubstep is just a word, it doesn't mean anything really. If you like it, you like it, that's the way I always see it.
2: Flo hit me up asking me how I made Gold Dust bass sound, <laughs> and I didn't tell him. And he was like, "Can I have it?" And I was like, "No." And he was like, "Do you want to do a track together?" I
0: know you can't get enough of
2: it was, uh, yeah, a lot more fun than it sounds. There was the whole kind of basically meeting up at festivals and stuff, and he'd constantly be asking me, "Just like, how did you make that sound? How did you make that sound?" Until I was just like, just, "Do you want to just do a track together?" He was like, Yeah, I've just picked up this Johnny Oz vocal actually. Do you want to do this for Major Laser? And I obviously couldn't say no to that. And yeah, Diplo is just awesome. Like, one of my main inspirations of what's going on right now is watching Diplo. So yeah, that was pretty cool.
4: Okay. Yeah, I love watching Diplo live and Major Laser live. It's damn entertaining.
3: I got a serious sweet tooth. Brownies, cookies, whatever, candy. Sweet Shop. I think
4: at the time, Dubstep needed that. I feel like everyone was hanging on for that track at the time, in 2009. Like four years ago, nearly. Dubstep had started to go hard, but no one had done anything that hard at the time. Or, like, that sort of. I don't know. I can't even express it in words. I think it's less about the hardness. I
2: think it's more about the accessibility with the groove. It's like, as I say, it's kind of like groovy music, and it had space for. It's not all about a vocal. This music isn't really about the vocal, but it had space for that. And I think it kind of started setting in motion the fact that. Dubstep wasn't just limited to underground London clubs, it was kind of an accessible thing that could be working everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. I think that track was one of the first ones that made me think about dubstep in a new way at least.
0: Switch up.
3: Dr. P, What are you excited about? What's coming out for you in 2013?
4: I'm working on my EP now. It's pretty much done, but uh, it should be out in a few months. So I've got a track with Method Man on there. I don't think they ready for this one. That man up.
3: You hear that? He's had a track with I heard, Meth, I heard. I'm a fan.
4: I made the track and said I want Method Man and a year later we got him. (laughs) So that's the music industry but we got him.
3: What's it called? What's that track called? The Pit. Madcap. I like to, uh, I like to, uh, I like to uh, perform bass cannon like as a lounge
2: act. Like let the bass cannon kick it. It's only one note, so like you don't really need much musical skill to really put it off. It started off as a ballad,
3: right? I mean it was it's a, it's an American standard,
2: really. Well it was started off as a um, it's kind of like a samba esque kind of Latino number with a cowbell and the marimba at the start. It was just kind of a piano and a marimba and I put a cowbell in there. I was like, oh yeah. This could be dubstep maybe. And <laughs> then it turned into that,
3: pretty much. Yeah, and when you say turn into that, I mean it was the biggest song in the world, you heard it absolutely
2: everywhere, what is that like to have your seemingly simple tune just go around the world like that? Pretty good, obviously it's pretty cool, pretty that track to me is testament to simple ideas work, that track to me I was like hang on this is one note but it's still quite good, I don't know why people like it. Like I don't like it. Well, I do now. I've grown to love it, but I made it. I was like, what is this rubbish? It's like a weird note with a cowbell on it. But people seem to get into it, so I kind of grew to love it, really. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Guys, thank you so much for spending the time with us. We really appreciate it. This is Circus Records' takeover of Echo Stage in D.C. New Year's Day, 2013. Dr. P? Thanks very much. Thank you. Fluff Pavilion? Nice one. Cheers. You guys are great. We appreciate it.
4: Madcap is produced by Daniel Bloom, David Ross, Afim Shapiro, and Juice Nadecki. Our intern is... Christy Nguyen.
3: MadcapDC.org. On Facebook and Twitter at MadcapDC.